morning. How are we? So my kids are at, um, my kids, my men, are at the Exeter Network Church weekend away. And they messaged Catherine about an hour ago to say, you never get to sit in front of us today. With a couple of meeklets as well. Fantastic. In Yuki. Amazing. Okay, so, holy part five. My word, we should be holy by now. We're still going. A few more weeks to go. Let me ask you a couple of sort of provocative questions to begin with. Has your holiness pendulum started to swing? Have you in your personal life, in your prayer life, in your walk, have you started to tweak that dial? Can you feel the spiritual temperature in the church? Can you feel the spiritual temperature around you rising? And hopefully, as we walk our way through this, that the, the concept of holiness has started to become, feel a little bit more accessible to you all. Here's the premise. The premise is, while the enemy, the, the God of this world, if you like, is busy seducing people away, God is calling his bride back to the holy. While, while worldly culture is relentlessly and insidiously promoting immorality and redefinition, rebellion against godliness, we as a church must not be seduced. We must not forget that God is God. That he has the right to dictate terms and to set standards. And to issue an imperative call. And if we want more, whatever that more might be, we need to heed that call. We'll start this morning with, with three short passages, and then I'll lay out today's big topic. So three verses, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Strong stuff, this goes like this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Just to remind you, that, that is Jesus speaking. And 1 John 5 verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. Verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And then John 14, 15, Jesus again speaking, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, so here's the big idea. It, it goes something like this. Love is not enough. <sighs> I can hear deep inhalation of breath. Pastor, how could you? 
Did you not hear the Beatles when they sang? All you need is love. So before your, your shocked ears zone out on me, don't get me wrong, love is a really important thing. So Matthew 22, 36, again, Jesus, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is, is unquestionably one of God's defining qualities. And we, of course, should wholeheartedly embrace it too. But here, potentially, is where we've been duped. In the blinding light of what the modern world calls love, the danger is that people lose sight of some of the other really important divine attributes. Holiness. Faithfulness. Righteousness. And, and the point is this. Love loses its power and effectiveness when it becomes divorced from all these other qualities. Do you know, unholy love, whether towards God or others, is not true love. It's a big statement. Unfaithful love, love which disregards Scripture and the heart of God, is just not love. Unrighteous love, which follows your passions, desires, and agendas rather than the Lord's, is a distorted love. Let's look at those three passages again. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, in your name perform many miracles in your name. But Jesus said, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's really strong. Anyone else apart from me get just a little bit uncomfortable when they read that passage. What is Jesus saying? He says, you called me Lord. You know, you attended a full-on Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. You said all the right things. But, and here's what the Lord calls out. Did you actually do the will of my Father in heaven? Verse 23, how many times did you knowingly break God's laws? Did I really know you? In fact, I think he's saying, not sure you really knew me, or, or at least what matters to me. So, so with that in mind, here is my big brazen statement again. Love on its own is not enough. What do I mean by that? You can be on your knees. You can be going through the mechanisms of worship. You can be singing the loudest in free worship. You can be shouting amen in all the right places. But if you do not fear and serve 
and obey God, then that love actually is only surface deep, it is immature, and it is incomplete. Love and the fear of God cannot be separated. Here's a statement. Write this one down and think about it. Love without fear, fear of God, and fear without love are both incomplete. Let me ask a question. Is there such a thing as disobedient love? True love, genuine devotion, intimate fellowship will be reflected in obedience. John 14, 15, Jesus' words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'm going to cut this deeper, and it may appear a little harsh, but bear with me. Though your, though your love for God may be expressive, though it may be public, though you may be utterly convinced that you do love God, if you do not fear and serve and obey Him, that love is merely surface deep and immature and incomplete. It is not disingenuous to say, I love you, Lord, if I ignore his word and resist his clearly stated will. 1 John 5 verse 3. This is the love of God. This is what love looks like. That we keep his commandments. Love for God is proved by obedience. It is deepened by obedience. It's matured and completed by obedience. Actually, that love is, is defined by its obedience. Pause for a second. I don't think, as a rule, we, we disobey deliberately or maliciously. Perhaps, perhaps that disobedience comes from, from a fear. Perhaps it comes from a hurt. Sometimes it might even come from ignorance. And I'm sure there are reasons why we all justify either disobedience or, or partial or delayed obedience. Even if those reasons are subconscious. Let me ask you this question. If we are brutally honest, is our love for God fair weather love? Conditioned on how we feel or how things are going or whether we feel God is blessing us. And I'm saying that with a big grin because we all know we're imperfect. This is not me beating you up with a big stick, folks. I want to put this into context of those big, tough imperatives that I listed last week. What has God demanded of us? Imperative. Really quickly, I'll race through these again. Number one, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey my commands. Number two, forgive every time, over and over, whatever, whenever, 70 times seven. 
Number three, do not judge or become critical and divisive. Number four, do not worry, trusting in anything and everything but God. Number five, deny yourself rather than promoting yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus rather than simply doing it your own way. Seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not second, not third, not 110th. Seek first. Number seven, honor the Lord with the first fruits. Number eight, give respect and honor where it is due. Number nine, give thanks in all circumstances rather than grumbling and complaining and developing bad attitude. Number 10, in your anger, do not sin. Lashing out and regretting it, or worse, being proud of it. And I asked last week, with a grin, how are you doing with that list? <laughs> and the answer is, if you're like me, successes and failures, good days and not so good days. And into that, Jesus said, John 10, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Your love for him is proved and matured and measured by your response to those imperatives. Not, not just in words, not even in worship, but by action, more specifically by obeying the imperatives of heaven. Here's a thought for you. How come prominent worship leaders sometimes crash and burn? They even wrote the songs. Or what about greatly admired church leaders? They, they preached the sermons for years. Point is, love on its own is not enough. Love calls for obedience to the Word of God. Okay, I appreciate that's been a little bit heavy so far. Let, let's take a moment to put this back into the context of the series and the first four lessons we've had. Remember, last week we covered this in detail, the three foundational principles that we've covered so far. Number one, God has the right to set the agenda. I'm sure none of us would disagree with that statement. So we need to make sure that that pendulum is swinging in the right direction, away from hyper-legalism and hyper-grace towards holiness. We understand that. Number two, we're all on a sanctification journey. Nudge the person next to you, say you're not expected to be perfect, just maybe a little bit better. <laughs> God does not expect perfection, but he does want your willing heart. And then the third one, the good news is that none of this is out of our reach. This is gospel grammar. Because we have access to grace. We're not expected to do any of this in our own strength. 
because we have the Holy Blue Spirit resident in our hearts. We have access, unfettered, unlimited access to empowering and enabling grace. So, so this is not a this is not a here comes Pastor Grumpy with his big stick message. It's not what this is. This is not condemnation. This, this is not meant to deepen your sense of inadequacy, which if you're anything like me is probably quite deep enough already. This is an invitation from the Lord into fullness. Into intimacy. Into a depth you, you, you just cannot and will not enjoy unless you do it his way. You know, obeying the tough imperatives is not a matter of, of God throwing his weight around. It's God inviting you into more, into fullness of life, into depth of relationship, into resurrection power. We just have to do it his way. Maybe a narrow way. It may be countercultural. It may sometimes feel counterintuitive. But it is the way to abundance of life. I'm going to take that one step further. A thought sort of dropped in. Maybe last week during response time, I was sitting right there. And you thought I was just twiddling my thumbs, waiting for people to come forward for healing. I was that too. But, but God kind of dropped a thought in, into my heart, I think. And I reckon this is where the rub hits the road. And it goes like this. I suspect we all at times wonder why we're struggling. <laughs> why we're living below our potential. I mean, we've dreamt the dreams. You know, we've been told what it could be like. Why is it that I'm constantly living beneath that potential, much to my own frustration? Why is it that I'm still bound up? I mean, Pastor preached an amazing series on outgrown. All these things we were going to outgrow, and yet I'm still struggling with these things. <laughs> Why is it that we're unable to find the breakthrough that we long for? Why is that? Here's the answer. You may well be worshipping, but are you obeying? The idea again is that, is that we say we love God. We worship, we worship our hearts out in church. We're grateful that we're saved. We're, we're proud to call ourselves Christians. But then we disregard or even disobey God. Maybe not intentionally or, or, or vindictively. But we repeatedly ignore what we know the Word says. And then wonder why breakthrough power is elusive. Wonder why freedom is elusive. Wonder why we're not living in resurrection power. And why we remain defeated and frustrated. Remember those three, very quiet, it's great. Remember the three passages we started with. Let me continue the, the passage in 1 John chapter 5. Because it's, it's quite illuminating. 
Okay, we've already read verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God uh, when we love God and keep his commandments. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Look where it goes. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So there's two parts to that passage as we read it. Part number one is, is what is the love of God? And the answer is that we keep his commandments. But those two go inseparably together. Love devoid of obedience is partial and withheld and immature love. But here's part two. The expectation is victory. Thank goodness he's finally gotten some good news. The expectation is victory. The expectation is to overcome the world with its seductions and with its distractions, with its contrary agendas. And that victory comes, how? By faith, as we hear and obey his word. There it is. God says jump, and we reply, how high? You know, we know this to be true. And yet the danger is, bear with me, that we keep sabotaging ourselves through disobedience or delayed obedience or, or partial obedience. And then wonder why the reverse happens. But the world keeps overcoming us. We cease to live as victors and start to think and behave like a victim. And the more than conquerors of Romans 8.37 slips further and further away. Here's the good news. If we do obey what the word says, we open the door to breakthrough and to freedom and, and to fullness of resurrection power. Folks, this principle here is so powerful. There is victory for you right here. There is freedom for you right here. You know, that challenge should answer many of your lingering questions and help you to come overcome some of those issues that continually hold you back. Challenge again. Why would we sabotage our lives by failing to obey what the Lord in his infinite goodness and wisdom has called us to do. I mentioned at the start of this, I mentioned John Bevere's book, The Awe of God, which I thoroughly recommend. It has a section in the middle called, called Tremble at His Word. And the challenge in, in and through that is, is how seriously do we take God's Word, particularly those imperatives? Do we tremble? Do we take it seriously? Do we give God's word the authority in our lives that it deserves? Or do we deal with it flippantly, carelessly? Do, do we compromise or make excuses? Or worse, he makes five statements, five little chapters. Number one is we must obey God immediately. 
Number two, we must obey God even if it doesn't make sense. Number three, we must obey God even when you don't see a personal benefit. Number four, we must obey God even if it's painful. And number five, we must obey God to completion. That's a great list. Unfortunately, I haven't got time to dig into all of these this morning. You'll you have to read the book. But, but I'm absolutely sure as we see that list, our, our theoretical heads are saying absolutely yes and amen. Spot on. I agree absolutely with that. Do we not agree that we would be in great shape if we consistently obeyed God immediately? You know, you know what the Word says, the Holy Spirit kind of gives you that prod, you know what I mean? That nudge, that whisper. How much better off would we be if we obeyed that immediately? Even when it doesn't make sense. Or, or we can't see the personal benefit if we weigh it up. Even if it might hurt our flesh a little bit. And if we always see it right through to the end, would we not be better off? So here's today's message in a nutshell. And it is good news, honest. You don't have to perpetually struggle. The potential that you can see with your faith eyes is genuinely accessible. You can have the freedom and the breakthrough in your life that you so desire. But love is not enough. Because love devoid of obedience is partial love, it's withheld love, it's immature love. And the flip is that a love that obeys is deep and strong and mature. Tell my kids this all the time. Of course, it all depends on how we respond to the imperatives of heaven. Don't sabotage yourself through disobedience or delayed or partial obedience. And then wonder why the world keeps beating you up. Say that again. Don't sabotage yourself through disobedience by ignoring or compromising the word and then wondering why the world keeps beating you up. If you obey what the Word of God says, you can have breakthrough, you can have freedom, and you can have the resurrection power you so badly need. Remember, we're all on a sanctification journey. God wants to take you deeper. He wants to make you stronger wants to renew your mind. He wants to heal your wound. He wants to capture your heart. Until like Jesus, you are fully submitted and surrendered to his word and to his will. Let God take you on that journey. And if you are resisting in any way, stop. Remember, we're all on the sanctification journey. And then secondly, remember the good news. His grace is sufficient. His grace is readily available. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You are not limited 
to the best you can do. Instead, you can open your heart to what the Holy Spirit can do in you and what the Holy Spirit can do through you. And that is so much better. Okay, we're going to invite the worship team to come forward. And uh, I'm going to set up a response time here. Uh, and then we'll take that into worship. Uh, and then we'll be done. So two questions, really. And, and this is a strong message. I, I get that. But it's powerful. Trust me. There is breakthrough and freedom available to you if you would capture this. You know, our Christianity should not be this weak kind of, we, I, I love you, Lord, and all's fine. And then we carry on. That love should create a change. The indicatives should precede the imperative response as we follow the Lord. So here are the two challenge questions. They're quite strong. Number one, are there areas in your life where you know you are consistently failing to obey the Lord? And if you've spent the last 25 minutes fighting something in your head, it's probably that. And I've given you those lists of imperatives. It may well be found in there. But you know, in your heart of hearts, is there an area in your life where you are consistently, consistently failing to obey what the Word of God is calling for? Perhaps you are partially obeying. Perhaps you're just putting it off. Perhaps you are wrestling with God. Again, the message, stop sabotaging your own life. Stop, stop living under the world when you could be overcoming the world. Start to obey that imperative. It will change your life. So number one, are, are there areas in general in your life? And then the second one, slightly more specific, is there something particular you know that the Lord has told you to do, but you are stubbornly refusing to do? I suspect that's not everyone, but it might be a handful of you in here. Is there something specific you know the Lord has told you to do, but you are stubbornly refusing to do? Don't delay for another second. Expecting six people to run out the door now. There is breakthrough power available for you right here and right now. And so the response today really is, it's a consecration. It's to fall on your knees, possibly to repent, possibly to recommit. And such a response is, is not a sign of weakness and failure. It's a sign of humility and of determination. Maybe a specific response. Or it may today just be a strong statement of intent that says, Yes, Lord. Whatever it is you're calling me to do, whatever imperative you are putting in my direction, the answer is... Yes, Lord. And that's always the very best thing that you can say. What we're going to do then is we're going to go into a time of, of worship. Um, as usual, we have, we have three response areas over in this corner here where we once had youth. 
Um, we're going to have prayer ministry team available, ready and happy to pray for you, pray over you, pray, grab your hand and, 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 and help you to pray, perhaps some prayers of consecration, recommitment, and even repentance maybe. Or if there's anything else you'd like prayer for, they'd be delighted to see you. Uh, over this side over here, this is the do business with God on your own. Not, we don't always want someone to pray for us. Maybe there's a big bold prayer. Maybe there's something that God is calling you to respond to today. Come over here, get on your knees, do business with him, pray those prayers, and, and no one will pray for you. And, and as I've said the last week, I'll be available just over here. And if there's anyone who, who would like prayer for healing, I'm very happy to pray for you. Let's unleash the promises of heaven. We've had some fantastic testimonies of what God has been doing in response to our prayers. God is not dead. He's alive. Um, and we're just going to worship. I'll let Simon kind of steward our way through that. But let's stand.